a reading of the Passion History of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from St. Mark chapter 15. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And They crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each one would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lomak Sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, heard his cry and saw how he died... He said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger and of Joses, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in the tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. 
Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joses, saw where he was laid. My brothers and sisters in Jesus, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our crucified and risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text this evening for this evening's meditation is from St. John's account of the Passion of our Lord in the 19th chapter, verses 28 to 35. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also might believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. Tonight is the final night of our Wednesday evening midweek Lenten services. And during this Lenten season, we've been focusing on the wounds of Lent, the wounds that the body of Jesus received at the hand of sinners for us and for our salvation. And for tonight, we turn to his pierced side. But first of all, we need to look at the scene. Jesus had been brutally beaten and scourged. And after that, he was forced to carry the cross until, because of great weakness, Simon of Cyrene was forced to finish the job. And there at Calvary, he was nailed to the cross. And now it was time after death to get the body down before evening and the Sabbath begins. So the soldiers, in order to hasten death, break the bones of the two criminals on each side of him. Why? Because, here's the answer, they needed to hasten death so that they could be removed from the cross before the Sabbath started at sundown, and thus dead bodies hanging out would defile the community. The main cause of crucifixion is suffocation. And so when you're hanging there on the cross like this, if you're not bearing any weight and just hanging there, you can't breathe properly. Your diaphragm doesn't work right. You can only take very short breaths. And so the only way you can go and get a breath in a better way is to straighten out your legs a little bit like that 
and hence improve your ability to breathe. And if not, you will quickly die. And so after they had broken the legs of those two criminals who were still breathing, they came to Jesus and noticed he was already dead. He had called out with a loud cry. Another gospel tells us that he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last. And we know from tonight's reading that the land had been enveloped with darkness from noon until three in the afternoon. Jesus is silent, no breath anymore. But to ensure that he's truly dead, a soldier grabs a spear and thrusts it into Jesus' side, striking his heart, and out comes blood and water. He's dead. And John, from whom we heard these words this evening, said, I saw it. So don't give me this stuff about the people who said Jesus swooned, and then after he was taken into the tomb, he got up and got out of town. He was dead. John saw the blood and water coming forth. Now we know, and we've always known, that the human torso contains some of our most vital organs. So you have your heart our lungs, our liver, our stomach and pancreas and spleen and the intestines. And if they are not protected in battle, you will die a quick death. Almost every fighting force in the course of human history has some devised some kind of armor to protect those vital organs in the torso from injury and death. With armor then and even armor now, we can protect ourselves from arrows, from spears and lances, bullets and other harmful things that might penetrate the body. But what about those things that armor can't protect us from? It can't protect you from the bottle. It can't protect you from drug abuse or any number of poisons. And body armor can't stop us from being harmed spiritually either. And the tragedy is so often that we consume or people consume all kinds of spiritual poison. The television shows and movies that say it's perfectly acceptable for people to sleep together before marriage. The 25% of our sitcoms and TV shows that show homosexual relationships as a normal thing. We see the many facets of our culture that glorify violence and bloodshed. And we're constantly being bombarded with messages that tell us that Our faith is antiquated, out of date, an artifact from the past that doesn't even warrant being shown in a museum. And then there is the attack on the family, on marriage, 
and on fatherhood and motherhood and the attack on the most vulnerable, those within the womb. But the worst part about these sorts of spiritual poisons is that so often we don't resist them and avoid them. Too often we willingly ingest these messages and ideas of the world. We would never go out and ask someone to stab or shoot us, yet we don't switch the channel which is delivering spiritual poison to the heart and to the mind. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we ought to go out in the desert and live like some hermit and withdraw from society and ignore everything that's going on in the world around us. But we can and should be aware of the things that go into our bodies, both physically and spiritually. So many people are so concerned, they're going, look at the the table of contents on something in the grocery store. Some people buy only bottled water because they believe they want to have the best and purest of waters. But they don't look at what goes into their soul. That defiles them. And the worst part of the poisons of this world is that they're so hard to heal the damage. Our doctors and nurses can help us from all kinds of things that happen to the body. If a child ingests too much Tylenol and it's caught, the stomach can be pumped. If a soldier is shot, the helicopter comes and the medic helps them and they're hauled off to a hospital as soon as possible. And even the majority of knife wounds that people suffer in real life do not end up being a a fatality. But what about sin? Sin causes a wound, a stain, a poisoning that no doctor or surgeon can remove. Sin is something that our armor cannot protect us from if it's earthly armor. But there is one cure for this poison. There's one antidote for sin. And that's the blood of Jesus that was shed at the cross and poured out from that lance wound into his side. At the cross, he takes all sins into himself. It's taken into the one who has never before been contaminated by nor has ingested any of the evil of this world. But it becomes his, because the scripture says the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible says he became sin for us. He became the greatest of sinners to rescue you and me. He lived that perfect life we cannot live. And because he's pure and holy, O Lamb of God, pure and sinless, we sing on Good Friday. He's the perfect 
sacrifice for the sins of the world. And that blood that flows from his wounds at Calvary and from his side brings you healing. It brings you wholeness. It brings you purity. It gives you life. And we need it. Because sin is 100% fatal. Without Christ, we're dead. Not just to dying with no hope, but hopelessly dead until the blood of Jesus brings us life. And just as the water flowed from his side, the waters of baptism have touched you. And those waters of baptism connected you to Jesus on the cross. For you died with him. And he, in his resurrection, he's given you new life. Life as his dear children. We're given eternal life in his name because of what he's done for us. But that's not all. Not only does he give us life, he also refuses to leave us unarmed. Though Jesus may not show up alongside of you and probably will not with a flak jacket, he's still the best quartermaster you could ever have. Because he gives you the armor of God. The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The shoes of readiness. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit. And having that full armor of God, we are able to withstand the arrows, swords, and poisons of this world. And so, brothers and sisters... Because of the unprotected, wounded side of Jesus, we are healed and protected as we live in him. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds and bodies in Christ Jesus our Lord to life everlasting. Amen. Let's join and sing verses 3 and 4 of hymn 425.